Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Becky and a special guest filling in for Dave. It's Russ Hartman, our colleague at Blue Seat Blogs, back for probably the third or fourth time on the show. Russ, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a good few months. Um, thank you guys for having me back on the show. I'm recently a new New York City school teacher. It's been really fun. It's been a great experience so far working with my students. And I just got engaged a few weeks ago, so things are going Yay. pretty well. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Such Russ great, is... exciting times. Absolutely. Yeah, you're uh, you're moving up in the world there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a great Good things film. come in threes, so something else is coming. Ranger Stanley Cup, maybe. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> Can the Devils just be... lose a game? That would be nice. Oh, come on. <laughs> don't, don't waste the good stuff on something that silly. <laughs> It's interesting because, you know, given that this is a uh, episodes coming out on Thanksgiving, but we're actually recording a couple of nights before. Uh, and, and and as we speak now, we're just about an hour or so before puck drop between the Rangers and L.A. Kings. So we won't obviously be able to talk about we won't have those games in our rearview mirror and a lot can change in 48 hours. So I think what we're going to do for this week's show is kind of take a step back and, and look at this this team and where they stand currently, you know, in, in the NHL, in the Eastern Conference you know, holistically through about a quarter of their season, you know, at this at recording time, they've played 19 games. By the time you listen to it, they will have played 21 games. Either way, that is roughly one quarter of a full NHL season. So, um, you know, Russ, given that uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you so so far this year, I'd be interested to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously, our our audience is pretty familiar with how Dave and, and Becky and myself feel about this team through its, you know, the first quarter of the season so far. But how do you feel? Where where are you at in terms of your confidence, in terms of your, you know, are you feeling mostly positive? Are you feeling kind of iffy? Where, where are you at through uh, the first quarter of this Ranger season? Well, first, I mean, I have to say it's shocking that it's already a quarter of the way through the season. I know. Where does the time go sometimes with this? I really don't get it. But, um, okay, I, I guess I'm kind of a mix. I'm not all doom and gloom, but I don't feel like I was, I'm as positive as I was when the season started. Um, I feel like the biggest thing that I'm having the problem with here is that they're playing down to their opponents a lot. And I don't understand why. I feel like this is a team that knows how to take over games. And like we just from the first two games of the season, you saw how they handled the lightning in the wild. And yeah, you know, they might have let in a bunch of goals with the wild, but they took it to the Tampa Bay lightning that first game. And the positivity I felt in the offseason, I was like, okay, this is what I expected to see. Like, this is this is awesome. Like taking it to taking it to this team, proving that you know you want to be in the upper considered in the upper echelon of the teams in the NHL, and you come out on opening night and you give a performance like that. And ever since then, it's been kind of up and down. And the interesting thing is, as you know, we've been talking about in the group chat all season, and, and Rangers Tour has been talking about all season, is that. Their analytical numbers this season are miles and miles ahead of where they were at this point last year. The underlying numbers are there, but just for some reason, shooting percentage. Oh, my God. Shooting percentage. (laughs) It's just not translating. And I guess the most frustrating thing is, is not that they're even it's not even they're playing bad. It's that they're playing well. And I guess that 
there just feels like there's just something off right now, if that makes sense to both of you. And I hope they can find that next gear that we know they have in them because they're too talented not to figure it out. It makes perfect sense to me, Russ. And I, and I wanted to ask you, Becky, and, and uh, I did sort of tease this a little bit with some friends and on Twitter, but uh, another team that, that we root for, uh, there's been quite a discussion going on about them. And not that I want to talk about that, but uh, with the whole Zach Wilson fiasco with the Jets, there's been a lot of talk about his intangibles, right? There's this idea that the talent is there. Everybody knows the guy's a super talented quarterback, but he just does not have any of the intangibles at all uh, required to play the position in New York. And, and, and that may merit a change. So what, to relate it back to the Rangers, what I want to ask you, Becky, when Russ says something is off and look, we love, we love our, our, our stats, uh, you know, our stats colleagues, you know, our, our, you know, Rob Luker is part of our, our circle and some of the other great folks on Twitter or in, in other hockey circles that really dig into the numbers and understand that stuff. They're basically saying, Hey, look, it's, it's luck. Most likely it'll turn around. But do you think that there's something else in addition to just some bad luck? Is there something missing or something off with this team that is not an on-ice problem? So first of all, I honestly think it's very rude that you brought up Zach Wilson. I just want to say that to you. I know, Um, but I I had to do it. But you know what? The reason that he is not succeeding is because he's he's just never had to. Um, But anyway, I I don't even want to get into that. I just I don't like him. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's some kind of intangible, but I also think that like, it's shitty puck luck and it's like, and you know, any locker room is probably, you know, I can't imagine any locker room is going to stay hundred percent positive when you're kind of having a billion chances and not really scoring on them. Um, I'm not saying that I think that there's like a fracture or like everyone's really bummed out a la like Ryan McDonough in any and every single postgame interview I've ever seen when he was captain of the New York Rangers. But I don't know. I also I think we talked about this. I want to say last week that like maybe that, you know, hey, we, you know, Strom's gone and he and Panarin had really good chemistry. And so like you still you're rebuilding kind of that chemistry between Panarin and Trocheck, and that could just be taking some time. But I don't know, because Panarin, like, people were concerned about Panarin last year, and, like, he had Strom, and also he had a billion points, and, you know, we were all still like, oh, he's off. Uh, myself included, by the way. I'm not, like, ripping on other people. Um, I don't know. The vibes seem fine. They don't seem, like, fractured, where, like, you look at the Jets locker room, and you know that, like, everyone's just, like, shitting on Wilson right now. Right. Well, and also I think uh, football is so different because there's like offense and defense and there's a million players and a million coaches. And it's just it's almost like two or three teams in one. Yeah. But but Wilson's just clearly not a leader. Right. And I, and, I, and and on the flip side, again, to sort of contrast it and, and bring it back to the Rangers, there's plenty of leadership here. So, you know, Jacob Truba, I think, is a, is a is a good, solid captain. He does not seem particularly bothered by the job or weighed down by the job. They also have Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. And I think you could even include Vincent Trocek and, and even Adam Fox, who's a young player in that leadership group. Um, Barkley Goodrow, you know, so, so I'm certainly not worried about uh, that, but I do think there are confidence issues that are just playing out in, 
you know, in 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 key moments in games where, you know, even the 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 most recent game, uh, you know, that that we would have watched was the San Jose game where they finally get a goal with four minutes left in the game from the fourth line, which was phenomenal. Julian Gauthier tips a Jacob Truba slap shot, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, and then they get the empty net goal and then they coast to the end of the game. Right. And they and they they give up a goal and they almost give up a game tying goal. You know, they gave up a, a goal with 15 seconds left and then San Jose basically wins the draw, comes right down and gets a glorious chance that Igor has to make an incredible save on. So there's just like a little bit of a lack of confidence or some sort of nervousness with this team that I think they need to string together a winning streak. Now, uh, you know, um, Russ, you mentioned the Devils earlier. I don't know that they're going to hit a 10, 11, 12 gamer here, but they need to win four, five, six in a row, I think, to maybe put these confidence issues to bed. Do you, do you think that's right? And what else are you seeing from them that that might be plaguing them and, and sort of keeping them in this mediocre up and down style of uh, hockey that you've that, that, that we, we know is happening? Well, I like what you said about how they're not, they're not going to get to 10, 11, 12, 13. If they do that, my God, that would be amazing to get back at my student who keeps rubbing it in my face every day. <laughs> but um, in general, I, I don't think you could be more correct. They need I think the team understands they're playing well. And I mean, even uh, someone shared in the chat uh, like a week ago about Chris Kreider even saying they even know that the, their underlying numbers are good. They know their analytics are good and that the chances just aren't going in. So I think they know that they have it in them, but they I, I think you need at least three or four here where you need to just roll some off, get the confidence back. And can I just say Julian Gauthier, what what a turnaround so far this year? Like the guy has like found his niche and in turn in doing that has also shown that the slower other other option there, Ryan Reeves might not have a spot on the team and might have just made the team better by actively finding his niche. So God bless Julian Gauthier this year for so many reasons. Well, that's a great point. And, and maybe a good direction for this discussion to go is, is, you know, maybe, uh, you know, let's talk about some players that are, you know, uh, kind of unsung heroes, if you will. And, and I would agree with you, you know, Russ, I think, I think Gauthier falls into that category now, you know, he's got a couple of goals, both of them big. And the one, his other goal, his first of the year, was a spectacular goal against Dallas. That was an afternoon game a few weeks ago where he he went around the goalie when he went out and, and was able to tuck it in while falling down from a very sharp angle. Um, gets a the, the huge goal, not the game winner, because the Rangers gave up that silly, you know, uh, empty, you know, uh, sixth attacker goal to San Jose with 15 seconds left. But an enormous goal in a game that the Rangers otherwise could not put a puck in despite a million great chances. But no, Gautier, you're right, I think is 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 now forcing their hand. And we'll get to the Reeves potential trade scenario that popped up on uh, on Tuesday evening in a second here. But that's a good nomination. Becky, do you have kind of an unsung player, a guy that that has been more under the radar that's performed really well? That's that's caught your eye. I don't think it's like under the radar, but I think Keandre Miller's just played really well. Yeah, he's been rock solid. Him and him and Truba have actually been it's weird with them because they've been on the ice for a lot of goals against. And this also speaks to that luck factor, right? You know, they have had, they have good underlying numbers, but they happen to be out there in situations where the puck happens to go in. They also, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where if they do make a mistake, that mistake ends up in the back of their net. So it's more noticeable, but yeah, I mean, he just looks comfortable now, you know, he looks like a true professional. And, and frankly, 
to that point, Becky, I think he needs a little bit more ice time in, in other situations. And I'm talking about second power play. I'm yeah. talking about overtime. They usually do put him out there four on four. He got one shift in overtime uh, their last game when they played Seattle and went to overtime. I think he got one shift. Um, and he was on for the for the game winning goal against. So I don't know if that changes yeah. the way that the coaches look at him. But yeah, I mean, what what else about Keandre? I think he just looks solid and he just looks super confident and he's still very young. So it's just kind of nice to see like him looking confident at look. Yeah. If he was on for the game and a goal against fine, like, I guess if you're going to blame that on him and I don't think that that's the way that Gallant coaches, or at least I hope it's not. Um, but I don't know. Like he just looks more confident, but a lot of them do like the kids, not all the kids, but like, Kako is like, you know, looking super confident all the time too. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't think the vibes are off at all. So it's hard for me to say like, who's like an unsung hero. Cause I think a lot of them look really good. I think it's harder to say, or it's more of the question, not harder to say more of the question would be like, who's looked like ass this year. I think that's the question. So who's looked like ass if, if you want to go that route? I don't know. I need to think about it. Hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the only other guy that came to mind for me as we as you know, as we kind of went this direction was Jimmy Vesey. I mean, Jimmy Vesey is here on the league minimum. Essentially, he was a he was a professional tryout, a PTO. I think he makes less than eight hundred thousand dollars a year. And he has been a, a driver of offense and an incredibly effective defensive player. So, you know, he's not only contributing to scoring chances, he has a couple of goals uh, and I think three or four assists. But whenever he's out there, the other team almost never gets a scoring chance or, or you know, even a shot on goal. So um, he's been incredibly effective. I, look, I know some people are quite miffed. And Russ, I want to get your thoughts on this about his placement currently in the on the top line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. I don't mind it. It looks like it's working. I have other ideas. I actually think he might be the perfect interim uh, third uh, wheel on the Panarin Trocek line. But uh, Russ, what do you think of VZ so far? And are, are, do you think, are you okay with him in the top six or would you rather they demote him and kind of keep him in the bottom six role, which we all thought he was going to be in originally? Well, you want to talk about before how I said Julian Gauthier found his niche. Jimmy Vesey is another player who, you know, this is someone who the Rangers originally signed out of Harvard, who people thought was going to be a goal scorer. They thought that, you know, he'd be a, a top six player for this team for a while. But his career path went in a different way and he reinvented himself as a player. And these are the kinds of people that stick around in the NHL who aren't the stars. They know what their roles are. They refine their games to fit the roles and they become an effective player. And we're seeing the Jimmy Vesey 2.0 on the Rangers now. And, you know, I was very skeptical of even signing him to a PTO and taking minutes from people we had here or maybe taking an opportunity from someone else on the team. But he's integrated himself so nicely, no matter where he's been in the lineup whether it's been the bottom six uh, on the third line, fourth line. And, you know, Rob, as you're saying before, he's playing a pretty great third wheel on the top line with Zibanejad and Kreider. He's driving play. He's shutting down the off the offense of the other team when he's on. You know, it's it's really good to see this new version of him, and I'm glad that, you know, he came back and that I kind of ate crow on the fact that I didn't want him to sign that PTO. So I'm glad he's here. Should he be in the top six forever? Absolutely not, because that's, you know, 
he's great at what he does, but you want a player who's more of a threat in your top six to score. And that's not always, that's not Jimmy Vesey's game at this point in, in his career. So ultimately I would love to see one of Kako or Lafreniere back on the top line, of course. Um, but for the time being, I, if someone tells you that he's playing bad, they're literally not paying attention because he's been one of the best forwards on our team recently. He knows his role and the problems that are affecting them are not his fault. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think, you know, as I said earlier, I wonder if he he actually might be better served on that second line because, you know, clearly Galan is trying to go for this, you know, balanced approach keep, currently, at least. Again, this could be outdated by by the time you hear this on Thanksgiving, <laughs> but but keeping the kid line together now for at least five, five games in a row. You know, but that that means you have Barkley Goodrow on one of the one of the top two lines, VZ on the other. Vitaly Kravtsov has not seen a game in quite a while. Now, some of that has been injury and health driven. But uh, I agree with you in the sense that uh, Kako probably should be back with Kreider and Zibanejad. That worked really well uh, and was just snake bit. That was kind of a pure luck, just not scoring thing. To me, I would not mind, though, VZ with Panarin and Trocek because, and I've, I think I've tweeted this or I've said it to you know anyone who will listen to me when I feel like ranting about the Rangers. Um, sorry, Becky, that's usually you. Um, VZ just reminds me of Jesper Faust. He almost does exactly what Jesper Faust did. And, you know, uh, before the Rangers brought in Cop last year, they had a they had a really difficult time finding the right third wheel for you know Panarin and Strom at the time and now it's Panarin and Trocek VZ I think would do a lot of that same stuff dirty work clever enough offensively to chip in some goals uh but but sound defensively sort of like covers for those two guys if they want to be a little bit more aggressive offensively um that to me would be a really good fit until they you know maybe inevitably trade for Patrick Kane you know we'll see if that or, or another kind of you know top top forward so um now that may leave Lafreniere out of the equation, at least in terms of the top six. But but the third line, him and Heedle, I mean, that's a pretty good start for a third line. You have Lafreniere, Heedle, Kravtsov, and then you're really cooking with a a pretty solid and balanced top nine. So um, we'll see how that all pans out as we as we enter the middle stages of the of the season. Uh, Becky, I do like your idea to kind of conversely uh, go with you know who has not been playing very well, or as you said it, who's been playing like ass. Do you have a an, an ass nominee? I mean, it breaks my heart, but like Schneider hasn't yeah, been I'd playing agree. that great. Um, he's again super young, and you know has a lot of development and whatever. But like sometimes I'm just like, dude, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what's going on here? So I, I'm not like concerned, like overly concerned about it, but. He's not great. I also think Zach Jones kind of played like pretty shitty and it's kind of it's weird when you're like, oh, we should put a high again or, you know, not we should put him in, but just when he's Is not he the better option. Yeah, like at times. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think they have I think they have problems on the third pair right now. Schneider's yeah. clearly going through something of a sophomore slump and the revolving door of Hayek and Jones is not instilling me with a bunch of confidence. And I, I think most Ranger fans would feel the same way. Yeah. Now there's the annoying, uh, you know, Niels Lundqvist 
uh, backstory here. Uh, where, can we can we not with Neil's Lundquist right now? Like, uh, well, can I'm we just, keep I'm this just, like positive? I have well, like this. You is brought up Zach Jones. You, like, you brought up Zach Wilson, and now we're bringing up Neil's Lundquist. And next, you're gonna bring up like Marion Gabrick, and I'm just gonna walk no, off the roof. No, but I okay. Love, I love now, now I have to chime in because Marion Gabrick, that still breaks my heart, man. I, I was so sad the day he got traded from here. And I understand I the now. trade tree worked out for us in the end. It turned into Broussard, was turned into Zibanejad. Thank well, you. I always, be, I will still always be semi upset that Gabrick got traded from here because that was like one of the first players I truly, truly like fell in love with on, when I started watching. You answered your own question there. The trade tree worked out. The trade tree did work out. It did. It did. And instead of like bad, pl- like my worst player. I mean, Becky took mine. I was going to say Schneids. I hate to say it, too, but he, we need more from him. But for me, I like the player who's getting a bad rap. And I'm not sure if everyone's going to agree with me here, but you can't really expect your backup goalie to win you games when you're scoring one goal a game for him. Yeah, and that's true. he's gotten a lot of flack from a lot of people, and I don't think, I don't think Halak is getting a fair shake with a lot of people but because you really have to look at how those games went. Because he's had some good games here. Sure, maybe he's letting one or two stinkers. Every goalie does. But ultimately, he doesn't deserve the record he has. And he doesn't deserve the vitriol he gets online from some people. I couldn't agree more. I also think this is probably a a hotter take than you're expecting. I think he needs to play more, frankly. Uh, I already don't like the direction they're going where Shesterkin might be sort of kind of on pace for 60 starts. That is not what you want to do in the modern NHL when you have playoff aspirations. There's a ton of data out there, sports science data, about the amount of games a goalie is supposed to play. This is like the starting pitcher stuff in baseball, which, again, you know, there may be some uh, some fallacies there because starting pitchers still always get hurt. But, you know, when you talk about workload and, um, you know, how to keep uh, guys physically fresh and, and enable them to peak at the end of a long season— you know the number for a goalie is supposed to be between 50 and 55, maybe 57 starts. And, you know, uh, Shesterkin already played on a back-to-back once. He played both games. Uh, he's played every game on this road trip. Now, again, he may play the uh, he may not play the Anaheim game, but I think that depends on how the LA Kings game goes. We won't know. Uh, we don't know talking about this now, but um, I think Halak's got to play more. And I think they've got to give him a chance to try and, you know, get into rhythm, even though he is the backup goalie, you know, let's get this guy a win and then maybe have him start two games in a row. Why not? You know, give, give Shesty a, a five days off. You know, if you've got a couple of days between games, let Halak play both games, let Shesty stay fresh because, you know, th- this is not about, even though this team has to do the work and secure a playoff spot, it is, it is still important for them to be planning for the future and the future for this team unless things go horribly, horribly south uh, in a very dramatic way. The, the future for this team is the Stanley Cup playoffs in April. So, um, no, I, I, I agree with you, um, Russ. Um, you know, Who's I your was player? Just, yeah, no, I, I was, I was going to say, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Zach Jones. Because, look, uh, I tend to not be as hard on Libor Hayek just because, like, I don't know. I don't like when this fan base does the thing where they turn a player into a meme after usually what is a very small sample size. Um, 
you know, and, and the, this fan base has always done it. You know, I, I mentioned a meme, but even in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, they did this with, with players that they just did not like. And sometimes those players were actually pretty good. Um, I do not think Libor Hayek is that good. Uh, but all that being said, I think it is a little bit of an, an indictment on Zach Jones that he could not step in and win that job outright. Um, and, and, and nobody could tell you with a straight face that he hasn't been given a chance. He's been given plenty of chances and maybe it's because he's playing with a struggling, you know, young player in Schneider. And if he was with a veteran, maybe he'd be doing a little bit better, but I, you know, and, and I'm not a, and I told you so guy, but I've never been impressed watching Zach Jones. This is now his third season. You know, he's, he's played parts of three seasons with the Rangers. I know they called him up, uh, during the shortened year, the 56 game season, uh, before last season. And I've just never really been impressed. I just don't know. I, he's made a couple of nice plays with the puck on his stick, but um, I, I don't know that there's an all around game there that screams, you know, everyday solid NHL defenseman. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a scout, but this is just me, your average uninformed fan watching on the couch. Um, you know, so I think they have a hole there. And I think that hole probably ends up getting filled by a veteran because I don't think Drury or Gallant is going to trust Libor Hayek or Zach Jones to go into a playoff, uh, a playoff run, uh, unless there's vast improvement over the next 60 games or so. So we're all focused on the third pair while on the backup goalie, which look for, for, for any team that's, you know, you're talking about marginal players to begin with there. Uh, and it proves that the Rangers really don't have too many, uh, big problems, too many elephants in the room. But there is one uh, that 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 is sort of really does stick out like a sore thumb. And Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff uh, went on his podcast on Tuesday and brought up the name Ryan Reeves. Um, now, this is, you know, we talked about Reeves extensively last week, Becky with Dave, you know, on, on our show. Um, Saravalli mentioned that there is interest in the league and that the Rangers would definitely be amenable to trading him because that cap hit is sitting on the books and it does not look likely that Ryan Reeves is going to play any more than once every couple of, you know, weeks at once every three weeks, you know, you're talking two, three games a month for a guy who's making 1.75 million. So, um, you know, Becky, as I said, we talked about it a bunch last time, Russ, if the Rangers were to part way ways with Ryan Reeves, you know, how would you feel about that? And, and what is your, stance on Reeves as a member of this team. Well, I want to preface this by saying I was probably at one of the best Ryan Reeves Ranger games in person. I'll always be thankful for it. And my friend had free tickets to when the Rangers played the Leafs last year and Reeves scored twice in the same game. Yep. And I swear I've been going to the garden since probably 2008. Now, when I really started becoming a fan, I don't think I heard a louder pop in my life. And it was, you know, that just showed you what this guy means to to a huge portion of the fan base, what he means to his teammates who are so thrilled. I mean, a two-goal game for him, that that's, come on, come on. When do we see that, right? And for the role he had and what he did last year, all, all love to the guy, all love to the guy forever. But it's clear that this year, step behind everyone, it's clear that he's much slower and Julian Gauthier's seemingly supplanted him in the lineup to be that cog on the fourth line now. Um, if there is any trade to be had, I don't care if it's a seventh. I don't care what it is. Do it. 
get that money off the books and bank whatever they possibly can because we already know how tight they are to the cap and that they want some form of deadline space, hopefully, to make any of these moves, you know, whether it's for Patrick Kane or someone else. They need to get as much money off the books as they can. And the first team that comes calling, I would just say, okay, great, here you go. Maybe because it's Reeves, maybe you give him some say, but ultimately, I say if someone gives you an offer, you have you almost have to take it if you're Chris Drury. It's almost a guarantee you have to take it. Becky, what do you think? I feel this like I'm like sad. I don't know. It's 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 a stupid thing because it's kind of like like nostalgic, but not even nostalgic for like great. I just I just like Ryan Reeves. He just is a good like he seems like he has an incredible personality. Seems like a really good person, like good character. But you're not gonna win because you have a good character guy. And if he's taking up cap space and you can trade, then like and make the room like then you've got to do it you know it's just going to be sad that's all yeah well and, and i think to the point about character look i think character is important but if the guy's not playing now i know you know some people think well you know he could be in the suit and he could still like go in the locker room before the game but a lot of guys don't like to do that i think reeves actually uh, uh talked to larry brooks for for a column in the post a couple of weeks ago I don't think he's actually at ice level when he's not playing. I think that, you know, a lot of the guys sit up in, in one of the suites or, you know, near the press box kind of thing. Um, and it's just not the same. If the guy's not in the lineup and dressed and out there playing, his impact is is almost nothing. Um, and, you know, as we said before, the Rangers are not hurting for leadership. You know, I think he was necessary last year. And I think he, he should not be, to your point, Russ, um, his contributions went well beyond what he was able to deliver on the ice. And by the way, he was able to deliver some value on the ice. He had four or five goals. I think he had 11 or 12 points on the season. He had a couple of outrageous games against the Islanders. You know, he had a couple of incredible assists. Um, I actually thought he played a great couple of playoff games early in that Penguin series, but then his impact kind of waned a little bit as the series, you know, settled in. But that first game, he was hitting everything in sight and it was, it built momentum for the team. So he impacted the team positively last year. And, and I think you have to be very, very cynical not to see that. But this team and and that, that team needed it. You know, this team doesn't need it uh, because they are what they are. They're a, they're a bona fide contender with a strong leadership core with a veteran, you know, experienced NHL coach and the top end talent that they had that they you know, that any team needs to compete for a cup like they're a complete picture now, you know, other than the the, the necessary deadline improvements, which every team looks to make. So. You know, it just is. And I agree with you, Becky, it is sad. Um, but I do think a trade where they give him a little bit of say, you know, if, they, if two or three teams come calling and the offers are comparable, I'm sure Dr- Chris Drury will, will call up Reeves and, and his agent and say, hey, look, you know, where do you want to go? It's it's Nashville or it's Edmonton or it's whatever. And he'll pick and you at least give him a chance to have some say in his next move. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if there is a possibility of him getting traded. Um, it should happen, and I think it will happen. So, um, you know, uh, maybe wait until after Thanksgiving, because you know, I mean, I know he's Canadian, but you know, it's now the holiday season. It's 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 it, these guys are humans. You don't want to take folks away from their families in the middle of the holidays. So, can you do it in early December? You know, that would be that would probably be the best course of action, and you know, doing it in a humane way. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that Ryan Reeves' days are numbered. So. Um, 
All right. Uh, Russ, I, I wanted to uh, just get your thoughts on, you know, before we shift into some questions here, um, you know, where do you think the Rangers end up in terms of division? I, you know, I, we have reluctantly mentioned the Devils a couple of times who this winning streak is going to is going to set them, you know, apart and it's going to be very difficult to catch them. But, you know, is this. In my lowest moments watching this team, I get very uh, nervous that they're going to be in a basically a battle to the final day of the season to make a play make the playoffs. Do you think that's the case or do you think they're going to be able to solidify things a little bit earlier than that? Well, I feel like the important thing to note here is even with how we've been talking about the up and down start and how it's going to be a fight for the playoffs, they're still they have 22 points. The second place in the Metro has 24 points. First is the Devils at 32, obviously, with their the, how they're playing. But this team is basically two points out of second in a divi- in the division right now. Mm-hmm. I, I and you know at the end of the day with every all the panicking you see from people on Twitter and how you know how doom and gloom it is with so many people it's not terrible at this point in the season for a team that's still trying to you know figure things out and fine tune things they've still managed to collect enough points to be you know they're they're third in the division at this point that's fine will they catch the devils i have no idea that that's going to take some that would take some special brand of hockey to catch the devils at this point from them but again as we've seen time and time again with the playoffs you know some teams just have it when it comes time for that time of year yeah and for the rangers you know i want to believe they're the team that they just need to get their spot in the dance and they can figure it out from there because like i said in the beginning of the episode they're too talented to me to not figure it out i mean zabanajad panarin Kreider, all these guys they're they want to get back to the mountaintop they want to get back to the, that feeling of being in the conference final and ultimately getting to that last step. And I think they all still have that in them. And they, again, I think they can do it. It's just a matter of getting that confidence in themselves to do it. So I think they're going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be a dogfight for them because I think by the time that comes around, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic today. You got me on a good day. I think they're <laughs> gonna, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine. Well, and I'll tell you what, I've got I pulled up the schedule and they play the Devils on Monday, November 28th. And then they play them exactly two weeks later on Monday, December 12th, both games at the Garden. So you want to talk now, wouldn't about it be circ- nice if we were the ones that ended the Devils winning streak? Wouldn't that, that be would, that a good be story great. there? I hope that's what happens. Truly, that's a possibility. And I'll tell you what, there there will be uh, no place more electric in the sports world than Madison Square Garden for those two games. I mean, the, the fan base will be very aware of what's going on with the Devils. And I think we might see a little bit of uh, that rivalry come back to life uh, in those two games. So I'm really looking forward to that. All right. So I do want to shift into questions. And actually, uh, I know we got a few, um, you know, from our from our listeners. But I wanted to start things off to sort of sort of change it up a little bit. Uh, And Becky, I'll start with you. I want to ask you for I want to ask you this. uh, What are you thankful for? Now, this is a Rangers question. Uh, although if you want to add on some what you're thankful for in life, that's fine too. But in terms of this Rangers team, this Rangers season so far, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful that I kind of, <laughs> it's so funny, but I'm thankful that they pulled their metrics together. Like 
I mean, they're getting PDO to death, but like, it's nice to see that they are, you know, doing better at puck possession, like everything that you would want to see that they were not doing so well last year. And it was kind of like, a you just have to like hold your breath and hope that they just keep winning. Um, and yeah. Oh, and I'm also grateful. I think I mentioned it last week for the social media team for just like crushing the content this year. Cause it's so good. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the social content has been on point for sure. Uh, Russ, what are you thankful for? Um, you know, maybe the the point totals haven't been what people expect so far yet, but I think he's been playing great. I think the signing was great, and I am thankful for Vincent Trocek slotting into this team and looking pretty good so far. I mean, again, maybe the points aren't there yet, but to me, he slotted in on that second line, and I just really like the look he brings to this team, and I like the different look that he has from Ryan Strom. I think he's I think he's been a really good fit. I know some people had a problem with the years, but I like that he's here and I think that, you know, for a team that has cup aspirations, um as good as Phil Peedle has been, sometimes you might not want to trust all of that to a young player yet and I think he's been a really good signing so far for the team and he gives them another really good center down the middle and you need that center depth to win the Stanley Cup. So, thankful that he's a New York Ranger. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just say Adam Fox. I mean, what he has done this year, he has been their best player. Uh, and that includes Igor Shesterkin. You know, normally when we say who is the best player been, it's kind of the non Shesterkin division because he, especially last year, was just so head and shoulders above everybody. But Adam Fox has been un- unequivocally to me the best Ranger. And he is doing things on both ends of the ice that are just dominant. Then the guy is is capable of dominating any game, long stretches of the game. He's playing an incredible amount of ice time, you know, t- talking 26, 27 minutes a night, which, you know, do you worry about get, worry about him getting burned out by the end of the year? Possibly. But, you know, I mean, I also it's not too long ago that, you know, the, the top defenseman in the league would play 29, 30 minutes a night, even in the regular season. So, um you know, but but Fox is, you know, he's already got a Norris trophy under his belt and he should be at least a finalist this year if this keeps up. And, and you know, I mean, if he if he kind of keeps up this scoring pace, he's he's about a point a game. You know, I, I think that's pretty much a lock. Um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, basically the Rangers haven't had since since Brian Leach. And, you know, Brian Leach, even on a team with Mark Messier, was the best player on his team. He was an all world Hall of Fame player that that won a Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoff MVP of the year they won the Cup. Adam Fox is that guy. Adam Fox can do that for this team. So that's what I'm thankful for. And, and you know, that and the fact that he's going to be a Ranger for at least the next eight years. So that was, you know, good job locking him up because I, I would do not want to dream of a world where he is not a Ranger. Uh, and thank you to the Carolina Hurricanes for, for trading him to us. So I know he wanted he wanted to come here, but still. Um so that's it for me. Um, Becky, do you want to hit the questions on Twitter? I know we, we got a few and we might have a few comments from uh, from some of our listeners as well, because I did ask uh, when I tweeted out from the, uh, the the show account, you know, for fans, to sh- you know, our listeners to share what they might be thankful for so far. So, yeah, um, I mean, we Becky, we only have a couple of people, a couple of thankful for um, we only have like two people who submitted that. So one of them is Tyler, um, our very own Tyler. 
Tyler Richard 93. So he said, thankful that the group peer pressured the, that the group peer. Bleh. Let's let's read Rebecca. Thankful that group peer pressure finally made me start the betting article for the blog. You guys were only yelling at me to do that for the past year or so, which is true. We were yelling at him for the last year or so to do this betting article. And it's now it's started, which is awesome. And I think it was three for four or two for three. I can't remember. The other night. Yeah, he was two for three. Um, and then he said, follow up though, always thankful to have hockey back in full swing and enjoy the community. It has, it has brought myself in various platforms. And then Jess, Jessica in 312 says, real talk, grateful for euphoria gifts and pictures to show how I feel about the team and forever grateful for Igor, who is not thankful for Igor. Indeed. Uh, And Um, then we have two questions, so. Let's do it. Should we move on or were you going to say something there? I think I cut you off. Well, I was just going to congratulate Tyler on launching the betting article. And, and uh, you know, I, I ride with him. Uh, you know, I, I usually go with his bets. And, you know, look, that is a, an, an imperfect thing. Uh, so I know his first couple of articles, there was maybe only one win in there. But he'll hit his stride. Tyler knows what he's talking about. And um, I think that's a great addition to the blog. No, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, it's great. It, it takes a, it you know, you have to be a little brave to put your takes out there, especially when you're putting <laughs> some money on the line. And Tyler's, sure. Tyler's that brave guy. And you know what? He's won me a little bit of money. So thank you, Tyler. <laughs> He's the only person I know whose parlays hit more than like 20% of the time. Exactly. He, He's who we all want to be with betting. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um. Okay, cool. So questions. So Built to Spill, John Cougar Cullingham asks, if this is so good. If Jacob Truba is the turkey by default since he's captain, what are the four alternates as sides? That this is, is a fantastic an amazing question. question. This <laughs> is amazing. So who even are our alternates? Because I'm sitting here thinking. So it's um, it's Kreider, Pro- Kreider, Panarin, and Zibanejad. Yeah. Zibanejad. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh so God. Good. Um. How do we tackle this? Because, you know, let's how about this? Let's uh, go with Mika for. Yeah, like we'll like go with a person yeah. and then everyone right, yeah, has perfect, a take. OK, perfect. all right. So first is Kreider. Um, oh, man. So we know he has very strict, uh, healthy eating habits. So. Oh, yep. that's right. That's right. I actually. Yeah. About that. Just oh, wow. just said. Kreider is definitely something gluten-free or a boring vegetable, and that makes me sad. Well, so, yeah, and to that point, so so I'll go, I'll just throw out, how about, like, some straight-up steamed green beans? Like, that's yeah. Chris Kreider. You know what? I was literally going to say green bean casserole, so we're on the yeah. right thought process here with yeah. the green beans. Okay. Right. Green bean casserole is where I was going to. Gotta tell you, I am in my 30s, and I still don't like green bean casserole. I just don't think it's for me. I like green yeah. beans. Don't like green bean casserole. I I agree with that take. I agree. Um. Okay. Next. Uh. Uh. Panarin. Hmm. So this has to be like an elite side dish. Like this is yes. one that everyone's going for. This is like stuffing. Uh, or. Or like. Uh, I was gonna potatoes. say like. I was thinking more along the lines of like sweet potatoes and with like the marshmallow on top, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. everybody wants that. It's like the great side dish after you're done with all of like the, the you know, like the pasta and the turkey and all the other stuff. And like, then you get to that and you're like, wow, this is the perfect complement to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, my only thing that I was going to maybe 
uh, go in a little bit different direction was, you know, he is a little bit of a zany, strange character. So I was thinking maybe something slightly more off the wall. Um, you know, maybe like, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of of uh, of something. Uh, but but yeah, no, I, let's go with the, the sweet potatoes. I think you're right. I think he's uh, he's got to be a popular kind of like you said, Russ, elite, elite side dish, elite side dish. All right. I third that. Um, uh, Goodrow. Mm. He's very See, wholesome. I think, <laughs> I, right. I think he's the stuffing, though, because he's dependable. Yep. And, you know, listen, people's uh, Thanksgiving dinners are everybody does them differently. You know, there's there are, you know, some people would be like, oh, we we have lasagna every Thanksgiving. That's part of the table. That's part of the spread. And other people would be like, what? That's, you know, some people would think, I don't know. Um, the, some people might have cream corn. Others probably don't have any any type of corn. Right. <laughs> so but I think, you know, that, you know, as as the question states, Troop is the turkey. He's the captain. I think the stuffing is the most dependable side. No matter what Thanksgiving you go to, there's going to be stuffing there. And and let's be honest, especially if it's boxed stuffing, yeah, it never really disappoints. It's always good. You just, you know, you grab a big scoop of that with the with a little bit of turkey, and that's you want to talk about complimentary, um, you know, uh, complimentary uh, foods right there, and and uh, you know, some some savory goodness in your mouth. That's how you do it on Thanksgiving. So. I think Goodrow's the stuffing. So, I agree. So I we're aligned though that he's box stuffing, right? Like he's stovetop. He's stovetop. Yeah. Yes, stovetop okay. stuffing. That, that was absolutely elite. Elite. I like that. And that leaves us with Shmika. Shmika. Oh man. Okay. Can he be like jellied cranberry sauce? Just because it's my favorite and he's my favorite. <laughs> Also, um, always there for you when you need it, right? On the, people, some people cannot survive Thanksgiving without jelly cranberry. I am one of those people. So, yeah, I, you know what? I I would be lying if I say I wasn't. And it also like adds because it's super sweet, and like him and Kreider are super sweet together, right? True. Am I stretching yeah. here? No, I like it. I like okay. it. All right. Well, that was like pretty good, guys. We came to a consensus. Usually when Dave's on, I just argue with him. So this is good. <laughs> we miss you, Dave. Um, okay. And then the last question is from Kevin Spazo211. And he asks, or he says, kind of, it's a statement, but, and it actually comes up with something we talked about before. Um, Gomez for McDonough versus Broussard for Zvanajad. Wow. I kind so of which, love that. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> that's a, that, that is a that is a great one. Um, ooh, oh god, who wants to go first on this one? This is a tough one. Um, I'll I'll go first. Uh, it's really hard to say, but for me, Mika Zabanajad became. And, you know, blossomed into an elite number one center, which is the thing you need if you're going to you need great goaltending and you need elite centers. Right. Like you need and an and elite in the truest sense of the word. And Mika is a 40 goal, 85 to 90 point guy now every year. He is in the same conversation as a power play scorer with Ovechkin and Stamkos. You know, it's funny. 
people don't like to talk about these things this way in hockey for whatever reason, you know, you get into these debates in other sports. So it's like, Oh, is it LeBron or Curry? Is it blah, blah. blah. And like, you know, hockey's not really like that. They tried to do it with Ovechkin and Crosby. It doesn't really work, but, and you know, people are afraid to make these comparisons, but I see Mika wind up and take that slap shot. And I'm like, he's as good as Ovechkin at that. He's as good as Stamkos at that. And look, Ovechkin's at a great all around goal scorer. The guy's going to break the goal scoring record. But point being, the Rangers have that guy, and that is a very rare guy, and he plays center. So, uh, and and the fact that they traded Derek Broussard, who's very good for this team, of course, and somebody who I always appreciate, and he's still chugging in the NHL right now, still a quality, you know, veteran player. I think he's back in Ottawa. Um, but, uh, you know, and look, Ryan McDonough was great, and obviously test, you know, turned multiple Stanley Cup champion, and and was a huge part of the Rangers getting to the finals and the conference finals the year after. Um, was the captain of the team, maybe not the best fit for him, but, um, you know, he was just a notch below a true top defenseman. And that whole team that, you know, that era of the Rangers, that the, the, the era that got close but never won it, basically had a team full of guys that were that, right, that were just a level below what they needed to be in order to get the team over the top. So, I think for that reason alone, and because I, I really do believe Mika is that guy, that number one center on a potential championship team, I have to go the Broussard trade, but just by a hair. I'm talking like 51, 49% in my, in my mind. Anyone want to go the other way? Um, no. Uh, oh, Becky, go ahead. You go. No, 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 you should go. I sh- I'll sure? Go. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think really this this boils down to for me what is the more desirable thing that every NHL team wants and at the top of every single general manager's list since the beginning of time has been true number one center and if you can acquire that player you have an you have a cornerstone offensive player to build around and you have a player that you know can take over a game you have a player who is responsible on both sides of the puck, penalty kill, power play. I mean, to see the Rangers have a player like that in Mika Zibanejad and th- to see the, the shot that he just rips off from the circles, and I'm, I'm with you, Rob. I, I agree. He's right up there with Ovechkin and Stamkos from there because you know it's coming and you can't stop it every time from that spot. And to see the player he's turned into and – I just I I can't believe at the time I was ever worried at, at that trade after seeing what he has become on Broadway. You know, some players they come to New York and it's not for them. This is a guy that tr- got traded here and he blossomed and became one of the best not even just centers, one of the best players in the NHL and it's been amazing to watch his ascent. I will always have love for Ryan McDonough. I have 3 of his jerseys in my closet right now. The guy was a warrior the entire time was here, but I just don't think he ever hit like that one step above, like Rob was saying, to the upper true echelon of defensemen, where Mika Zibanejad has put himself into the conversation every year of top players in the league. So, Broussard for Zibanejad gets my vote. Um. So, yeah. So, I I think more of a fleece would have been like McDonough for Gomez. So I didn't know if that was like a, like the, the, Kevin over here didn't give us a whole lot with this question. So I would agree with that though. 
It was like, here's like six words. And I'm like, okay. Um, but I like, I loved Broussard too. So this is not even like, you know, and I didn't know Zaban Jad from like a hole in the wall. Um, like I vaguely knew his name because I watched Sens hockey for a bit, but like, I didn't know him well enough to know that he was going to be like this great player. And so on paper at first, like we, Jess and I always tell the story. We landed in Canada and Broussard's her favorite player. And we land, turn on our phones and see that this happened. And we're like, what the fuck? And like immediately went to the first bar we could in Toronto, like <laughs> start drinking. But that was an incredible trade. Like that trade was just so good. You had Broussard who contributed so well to the Rangers success. And then you traded him at the perfect time for a young asset. Like that was just a really good trade. So I have to go with that one. Um, likewise, like McDonough was great when he was here. I think becoming captain kind of ruined him. I don't really care about him either way now. Like I'm, you know, he's had success. I'm not one of these people who like, passionately follows the careers of players after like they leave the, the team so it's hard for me to say but um like you know that was a great fleece job because it's fucking scott gomez but also yeah, yeah. well i was gonna say also I, I believe and i don't have the specifics in front of me but gomez was on a huge contract and the rangers were able to get rid of that contract and i i want to say they actually went and then signed Gabrick potentially with that with that more was it Brad Richards maybe I think it was Brad Richards with that money I think it was I think it was Brad Richards money yeah I think yeah. I think that's right that July 1st when they signed Gomez and Jury to those two deals I was like oh my god this is awesome and then wow that just yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well and since then their record on free agents has been a lot better I mean you know are they and frankly Artemi Panarin is 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 a huge part of that but oh, we yeah. mentioned Vincent Trocheck. um you know, uh, he's been awesome. Um, you know, uh, and they, they made some other even the Brad Richards deal. I mean, look, they, they ended up buying him out, but um, he gave them three, four really good years. He was kind of what they needed at the time, you know, and they had to overpay to get him. But yeah, um, but, I but still they got say rid to this of, day. If we had contract restructuring in the NHL, he would have been here for the rest of his career. Yeah, I think definitely. he would have. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think he, I don't think he wanted necessarily wanted to leave, and I, th I don't think they wanted to, you know, get rid of him. But they just couldn't pay him anymore, um, you know, with the rest of the way the team was built. Um, but no, I, Gomez was making a lot of money, and they were able to basically get rid of an awful contract and get a premier asset back, who turned into one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Again, not like elite, elite, but but really, really good, like a championship level defenseman. So uh, uh, clearly, so. They're both great trades. I think the thing that you said about Zibanejad, though, Russ, and kind of struck me because, you know, when he came here, I haven't, I don't have his stats in front of me, but, you know, I believe he was kind of like a 40 to 45 point scorer. And he was obviously a very young player at the time. Um, you know, that's six years ago. So he was in his early 20s. But, you know, the fact that he has now become as a Ranger, a full fledged, you know, top flight center point per game and, or more scorer you know, it's just kind of funny how, you know, that this team has a reputation for like killing skill players and not developing skill players. And, you know, Mika Zibanejad came here and he exploded. Right. So um, I know it's a little bit different when you draft guys and they go through your system or whatever. But, um, you know, they traded for a, a guy that they saw 
could be a lot more. You know, there was it's not like they traded for a 90 point player. They traded for a 44 point player with upside and they got the 90 point player out of it. And that's why I think it ends up being a great trade. So it's also why you need to wait years to evaluate trades, because, you know, uh, look what it's taken six years for us to really learn what Mika Zibanejad, you know, is. So, no, really interesting question. So thank you to Kevin for that. Um, all right, guys, Russ, great having you on. Any final thoughts before we sign off here from you? Um, thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure talking hockey with you both and Dave when he's here. Um, I just hope that this team uh, goes on a little bit of a win streak now, gets that confidence back, and is the team that we all expect them to be because we know they got it in them. I just want to see them – I want to see them blossom this season, too. I want to see them find that spark that ignites them for them to go on their run and realize that they they can do this. They just have to believe in themselves. Becky, any any last words? I agree. I'm still optimistic. I'm a little annoyed, but I'm still optimistic. I think I'll also be less annoyed when games don't start at 1030 because, like, you girls going to sleep. I can't, <laughs> can't do this 1030 shit. I'm too old. It's it's really it's really something. I remember like a few years ago, even in like school. Oh, ten thirty game. Yeah, that's fine. Now, I mean, Jesus, I can't even explain. By the end of the first period, I'm I'm basically gone at this uh, now. So yeah, <laughs> it's just it's tiring. But we stayed up on Saturday till one thirty watching the game, and it was like the most boring game ever. And I was just dying. Like it was just like a million chances, 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 chances. Was and that the Gautier game? The Gautier deflection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> the San Jose game. Yep. Nice, well. Let, let's hope they score quick and early today so we can all get some rest. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, hopefully by the time everyone listens to this on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, with your morning coffee. Maybe the parade's on in the background. Um, hopefully the Rangers are, are have four more points in the uh, in their back pocket when they, uh, you know, are, are, are getting off the plane and I think they fly into Westchester, uh, finally returning from this West Coast trip. So, uh, but no, thanks everyone for listening as always. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving and we'll see you next week.